0: And welcome to a special edition of the Max Politics Podcast. We are talking just a couple of days after primary day. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Happy to be joined by City Councilmember Brad Lander to discuss his controller campaign and what we know and don't know. Uh, Councilmember Lander, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you. Great to be back with you. Uh, you know, uh, missing Jared, excited yes. for his new endeavor, but uh, love, love being back <laughs> with you.
0: Yes, indeed, we, we will check in with Jared soon about nursing school and all he's up to. Um, so you have uh, put together a very strong showing in the city controller race in the initial tally of the in-person votes that we know about from early voting in primary day. You uh, have uh, garnered in a very crowded field, uh, 31% plus of the vote, about nine percentage points ahead of the second place uh, standing right now, which is City Council Speaker Corey Johnson. What do you attribute that strong showing to uh, in, the, in the votes that we know so far? We know we're waiting to count both the absentee votes and then do the runoff for ranked choice voting, the instant runoff. But what do you attribute what we've seen so far to where you've got um, 60,000 plus vote margin here?
1: Yeah, no. As you say, there's still a lot of uh, counting to do, and yeah, the way we're doing both rank choice and absentee's uh, draws out the excitement of the election. But um, uh, and I really value that counting. I'm a supporter of ranked choice voting, and you know I think that it will give us better democracy. And if waiting a little bit for it is the requirement, then so be it. But I feel really proud of the campaign our team ran. Um, uh, we were the overwhelming first choice, are the overwhelming first choice of a whole lot of New Yorkers all across the city. And really we're, you know, we're leading right now in, uh, not just in Brooklyn where I am, but in Queens and in Manhattan. Um, you know, I, I, We tried to run a really strong, bold, progressive campaign with a vision for a just recovery for the city that works for all our neighborhoods. Grounded in those ideas that the pandemic exposed a lot of inequality, that we cheered on all those essential workers and we have to do better by them. And we want a government that can uh, help small businesses, prevent people from getting evicted, create jobs and do better to lift up all neighborhoods. Um, And that broad progressive coalition was reflected in the coalition of support we built with endorsements from AOC and uh, Jumaane Williams and Elizabeth Warren. And then at the same time to also have a message about making sure government can deliver that it could work better that's the job of the controller's office in many ways and also for new yorkers a thing that um, they really want to see i i believe new yorkers are open to bold government uh, but they're skeptical in a lot of cases about whether it'll tell the truth and whether it'll work and i think want someone who has that bold vision but also really will dig in be honest about what's working and not working and push hard to make it work better. And and I really found that resonated across a very wide swath of neighborhoods. It was, you know, as fun as we were out there, we definitely had the best ground game. uh, And that meant talking to lots of voters, especially as soon as we could get off zoom and we could talk more Mm -hmm. about how the race changed, you know, as a result of the pandemic. But as we were talking to voters, you could really feel that I want a government that shows up for me and I want it to work better.
0: Anything you were surprised by in the results we've seen so far, for example, were you surprised how well you did in Manhattan, Uh, you know I mean that that jumped out at me that you, you know, did as well as you did in, in that borough so far from what we know.
1: We feel really proud of the coalition we have, and it—it it really is all across the city. I, you know, we're leading in some EDs in Harlem, uh, which felt uh, really great in this broad coalition that we're building. So not only the you know more some more conventional progressive coalition, but a, a really broad set of territory. Um, but you know, I—I think it comes from what I was saying. We just like we—we we worked hard. We really did have an amazing team. I feel, you know, people say that all the time, but I just say I feel so blessed in the staff team, in the volunteers and supporters and the community groups, and we partnered with a lot of great grassroots political organizations. You know, I campaigned a lot with Village Independent Democrats in Greenwich Village and Four Freedoms on the Upper East Side and House Kitchen Dems and CODA on the Lower East Side, and those really are folks who are out in their neighborhoods talking to people, not just about elections, but about issues as well. Um, so we, we were optimistic. Uh, you know, we could feel the momentum building. Uh, you know, this race didn't get a ton of coverage. Uh, you covered it, but, but a lot of, it uh, uh, didn't get a lot of coverage. But, you know, when you're out on the streets talking to people, you can feel momentum building. And I, mm-hmm. I certainly did feel that in, in the neighborhoods we did well in.
0: And obviously, there's you mentioned a few of your most high-profile endorsers um, on the radio show I host, which turns into this podcast as well. Yesterday, I talked with Mara Gay of the New York Times editorial board, which endorsed you. You know, between the folks you mentioned, plus many others, you know, who are more local and maybe you know less cel- cel- uh, celebrity names, but but people know locally. You had obviously a lot of other supporters as well, but. Uh, in a, again, in a in an election where people are paying less attention, how big do you think the Times editorial board was for
1: you? Huge. You know, I, there's no doubt that um, a lot of people um, aren't, you know, didn't spend a ton of time focusing on the controllers race. And so for many of them, the Times was a, a very good validator of who's going to work the hardest and be the most effective in doing the job especially for an office like this, which is, you know, that's what it's about. It's like, who's going to get in there every day and go audit those agencies and demand performance and be thoughtful about our resources and how they're invested. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how much people know, you know, at the time showed a lot of what they did in the mayor's race. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think they did a nice job of being a little more transparent in their decision making by putting out all the interviews and talking about their deliberations um, you know, they didn't do quite as much of that in the controllers race, but they were very deliberative. That was, a, you know, they really dug in, you know, in the interview, a lot, talking to lots of people um, to try to communicate, here's who we think is going to work hard, who's got a track record of the, doing the kinds of things the job does. And I, again, for me, that was a really important balance. I'm, uh, there's no doubt that those big uh, progressive endorsements Uh, Turned a lot of heads, you know that the ad that I had that had AOC and Senator Warren and Jumaane Williams and Jerry Nadler, it caught people's attention in a crowded TV cycle, you know, there were so many ads on but many people came up to me and said I saw your ad or would come up and say I'm with Brad or something that indicated that they had seen those ads. But then a lot of people did say, you know, that was really balanced for them with reading the, the Times editorial, mm-hmm. uh, which went down into the details, like here's not just someone who maybe shares your values, here's someone who takes the work seriously and is gonna, you know, dig in. Uh,
0: I wanna come back to that values point in a minute, but, um... You know so much of where we're at right now when we're talking, and obviously, uh, we'll, we'll talk with you more down, down the road, uh, whether you hold on to this lead or not. But, um, but so much of what we're talking about now is sort of the mechanics of the election. So, I want to kind of stick with that a little bit. Sure, uh, well, you know, over 730,000 votes tallied in this election in the city controller Democratic primary. Uh, you've got close to 230,000 of those. I'm looking at the board of elections numbers on this. So maybe there's some slightly different numbers uh, that have been reported elsewhere, but I'm going by the the city board of elections here. So 730,000 plus votes uh, tallied in this race. You've got about 230,000 of them. Talk about holding on to the lead you have of uh, 65,000 or so over Corey Johnson at the moment in second place. And the universe of absentee ballots that are out there, and the ranked choice instant runoff. Just in terms of the nuts and bolts of how this vote will unfold, how confident do you feel? What's your understanding of the absentees? You know, the universe that's out there. Any good campaign has sort of a sense of that. Um, how, how are you thinking about the mechanics of how this will unfold and the votes that are out there?
1: Yeah, I um, mean, thank you for giving people a lot of coverage on this. So, for folks who don't know, you know, all you know the numbers that Ben gave so far are in-person voting from both early voting and election day. That's all we have so far. And right now, just the first place votes. You know, if you rank someone first, that's that's where we are. Um, next week, two things are going to happen. On Tuesday, uh, the Board of Elections will release their ranked choice tabulations where they'll run the rounds of what happened, you know, in, as in, in the comptroller race, no one has a majority of first place votes. They start eliminating the last place finisher in terms of those first votes round by round and redistribute their ballots so you see who ultimately till you get down to the final two candidates and one of them will have a majority of the votes Um, and that'll that should we think all come out on tuesday basically for all the races and all at once it's not like they'll run around at a time they can tabulate them all and so we'll Mm -hmm. see and, and that'll and be a
0: very unofficial for everybody. That'll be because that will not correct. include the absentees. So it's like, exactly. So I have a other, look at some things, but nowhere near official. Yes,
1: that's correct. So the other thing that happens actually starting Monday is they're going to start counting the absentee ballots. Um, and I haven't looked at the numbers today, but they're up above 100,000 mm-hmm. in absentee ballots. And you know, I think there were about 200,000 requested. Yeah. So Two, not gonna...
0: 220 went out and about 105,000 back in as of the last update from the Board of Elections. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and we suspect, you know, you can get your ballot in any time until Tuesday of next week, a week after. You have to have mailed it on election day, but it, you know, sometimes the mail is slow. So, you know, that number will come up a little. It won't go up to that 220, but, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it's, we don't know, 125. We'll see what, it, what it's at. Um, and then that all has to get factored in Um, And it'll change some things. 125,000 against 730,000 in place votes. It's not, you know, it's not close. It's it's a lot lower percentage than last year when many people voted absentee and it really did. And also last year, there was a real difference in Democrats versus Republicans in the uh, absentee ballot. So it swung some races, right? Andrew Gunardis was you know, losing in the in-person and then won pretty decisively, a few other things right. like that. We don't see that happening here. There's no reason to believe the absentee ballots are going to have a decisively, a decisively different impact. So to make up a difference of 65,000 votes out of 125,000 votes is, is pretty unlikely. Um, But we have to see what the number is after the ranked choice tabulations are run on Tuesday. We feel, I guess what I'll say is, I really believe in ranked choice voting. I want to see those absentee. Uh, I want to see the tabulations. I don't want to say anything declarative uh, until then, but we feel in a very strong position. We have a really broad coalition. We got a nice lead. We're winning in Manhattan, in Brooklyn, and in Queens. Um, and I'm optimistic that the ranked choice tabulations um, and the absentee ballots will, will you know, that our lead will hold up.
0: Couple, couple things uh, somewhat to play devil's advocate here. Tell me your responses to these. One, um, a lot of your voters may be younger voters in some parts of the city, less likely to send in absentees. Maybe, maybe the older voters are skewing uh, against you um, in the absentees, at least, At least somewhat Uh, that's one and then in the ranked choice much more much more focus on this because I do agree the the absentees there's not a lot of reason to think they'll be that different than the in-person in this in this race but on ranked choice you're running uh, the furthest left campaign as you got at in this in this controller primary Our, our RCV is often meant to sort of get a consensus among the electorate are you concerned at all that because you're sort of furthest to the left in this primary that you might not be the number two on a lot of ballots or even the number
1: three on a lot of ballots? We, we feel pretty confident on the absentees. We had an absentee operation. You know, We didn't take it for granted. You're able to find out who requested absentee ballots and we reached out to those voters and shared our information with them. In some ways, I'm more sure that absentee ballot requesters uh, heard from us than I am about the broader electorate. Now they may have heard from the other campaigns as well, but we did not. We did not neglect them, and uh, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of um, absentee ballot voters in the in the geographies where we did real well. Um, and, right, Manhattan,
0: you did you did very well, in Manhattan. Manhattan's probably high absentee,s but yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Yes,
1: exactly. Um, and then, you know, I, the third place finisher with the most, the most votes in the race after, after Cory and me is Michelle Caruso Cabrera. Um, we, we actually overperformed with Latino voters. I had a great set of supporters, Nidia Velasquez, Gustavo Rivera, Antonio Reynoso, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, you know, make the road uh, action, doing a lot of grassroots work. So I feel good about where we are with Latino voters. Um, Kevin Parker is a Brooklyn guy. We overlap in some geography, So I, I'm, I think it's likely second or, you know, third on, on Kevin's ballots. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to process the ranked choice results um, and to figure out a little more. Sometimes things will be straightforward. You know, somebody is uh, voting an identity or voting a clear ideology um, but I don't think that's always true. And right. again, the Times endorsement, I mean there's a lot of endorsers, a lot of voters who, you know, would want someone who they believe was gonna really show up and work hard. So I'm I'm real hopeful. I mean, again, we'll mm-hmm. see. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, you know, and
0: yeah, I'm just uh, wondering if that's a concern at all in terms of when the rankings play out. I mean, there's obviously a very strong chance that even on a lot of Corey Johnson ballots, you're the number two, um, you know, in part because people had a perception from limited right. polling Although, or whatever, that there were three, you know, top candidates.
1: And- yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those don't help, you know, you don't, you're not helped by this being if to the person you're second with. You know, you're, this right. is, I mean, it, it may, a lot of people said that to good me. Point, like, good point. You know, some people did say to me, I ranked you second. And I was like, okay, well, after whom? And if they right. said, <laughs> right. Corey, the it's like, great, that really helps me. If they right, say, Corey, right. the I I respect their vote, but that won't help me elect. Good point. Me.
0: Good point. I'm, I'm sure. Sort of, yeah, yeah. I'm in the thinking of, it could be anybody, but it, it can't really be anybody in the final two. It can really just be you and Corey and maybe Michelle Caruso Cabrera, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel really optimistic here. I, I want to see the results, right. but um, I do think the way we ran this race, while boldly progressive, also really spoke to just the meaningful concerns of people in their communities. That You know what? People are not mostly concerned about progressive or moderate. People are concerned about housing and jobs and schools and coming out of the pandemic and safety and we spoke to people across all those issues and said, here's how we'll use the tools of the office to do meaningful things for you. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, you know, we feel good about where we are on the ranked choice ballots.
0: A lot of talk about how well Eric Adams did in the mayoral race. Again, unofficial. We have, you know, there's a lot to be said here with absentees and ranked choice in that race as well. Um, but that Eric Adams did so well, that Catherine Garcia did well. Obviously, Maya Wiley's in there too, but that there is sort of this Yearning for more moderate uh, candidates who are really focused on uh, public safety. Um, your success in the controller race obviously cuts against that narrative a little bit. What do you make about sort of the the larger city political picture here um, and the discussion that's happening?
1: We're going to need to keep. Uh, you know, I think there'll be a lot to say. This is such an interesting time and an important time for the city. You know, there's still. Coming out of the pandemic, we're all in a different place than we're used to being, um, and I think things are shifting. Obviously, the public safety narrative has has shifted a lot over the last year, and even thinking people's thinking about the pandemic and what's important, how much focus on school reopening, just on uh, you know, public health protections itself, it's a, you know, it's a very shifting ground time. Um, All that said, I just don't see that much contradiction. I mean, people want to live in safe communities, they want housing to be more affordable. They want an economy that's growing with good jobs. Uh, They want good schools for their kids. They know government needs to deliver on a lot of those things, that they can't do them on their own. I think New Yorkers are open, for the most part, to more ambitious government. Um, and they also are, in some cases, skeptical about whether government can really deliver what it's promising, what the bow So, so I don't know. I, um, so you're
0: unabashedly, let's move resources away from the NYPD more into communities and social services and uh, you know, uh, programs that are not run by the police department. Um, so here's I, how I had
1: that conversation with people in ways that I thought was really um, uh, that worked, which was... You know, I'm I'm riding the subway a lot these days. Plenty of times, you see someone on the subway who's not doing well, who appears to be homeless and mentally ill. Uh, you know, and and that you know people in the in the train are might be anxious about that. And I, I understand why somebody's first instinct would be, let's send in more cops to deal with that. But if you say to that person, what's going to actually happen if a cop comes and Pulls that person off the train, like maybe they'll be off the train car. But if we don't get them an affordable, supportive place to live and good mental health care, then they're going to be back in the train tomorrow. Um, you know that. Fortunately, we're not following the uh, the Rudy Giuliani strategy of sending that person to Rikers for being homeless, and we we better not go back to to doing that. That's a violation of their constitutional rights. But they'll also still be out pretty quickly. So if you actually want to solve that. Problem, Then you need to figure out how to get that person into supportive housing or into the shelter system in a way that would actually be helpful to them and they would they would want to stay in it because they saw how they were moving toward permanent housing and get them good mental health care. And I don't believe there's a way to do that that's like forcible in the way that Andrew Yang was talking about. Like that is, again, both a constitutional violation, but it just doesn't work. So if you're gonna solve that problem, then you're gonna have to spend resources on good street outreach, good street and subway outreach, good mental health care access and supportive housing. And I don't see any way around that. And that's not only like progressive values, that's just like, focus on results and what's actually effective in spending your money in the long term. So yes, like that's an example. Rather than send more cops into the subways, I would like to spend more money on emergency supportive housing and mental health care. Um, but you could have a thoughtful conversation about that. That's not like, what button are you wearing? Um, but that's about how to move the city forward. And and I liked being out on the streets in conversation with people because people would definitely come up to me and say, I hear you're for defund, you know, and I don't like that. And then if you could have this conversation, at least we could talk about it. And they might, you know, agree, might disagree, but we would be talking about how to move the city forward. And that's the job.
0: Some people, um, and, you know, we've had some of these exchanges during the campaign, so we don't need to relitigate all of them right now. And I know you need to go soon. So just a couple last quick questions, but, you know, some people look at your platform, your politics and say, okay, far left progressive in the controller office. How do we know Brad Lander as controller? Again, we have to see how the final votes come, but won't just be okay. Spend, 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 spend. Let's, you know, push for raising more taxes. Let's spend more money. And, uh, you know, we want programs to work, but it's, you know, there, there hasn't been, you know, there's not a program that's not okay to throw more money at. and And that's not that's not a great uh, philosophy to have in the controller office.
1: Sure. Um, First, I'll say I really like having conversations with people who agree and who disagree with me. And I like doing that with you. I mean, and, and I like doing that with people in New York. It's a great thing about running for office. I know everyone says this, but it really is true. If you love politics, if you love public service, talking to people, about what they think and listening when you agree and when you disagree is great. And it's a fun part about campaigning. So I liked having that conversation. Um, if people you know, wanna like still go look at the website at landerfornyc.com, we put up an enormous amount of content about how to balance the responsibilities of the controller's office, with the issues that we think New Yorkers care about and the issues that are important. So there's this question of like, what's the controller really got to do with housing or with uh, climate change or with uh, good jobs and workplace protections. And we gave just a lot of really concrete information on the ways of using the tools of the office responsibly to advance goals. And again, I think the times endorsement really speaks to that on fiscal responsibility specifically we put out a lot of ideas for how to save money. Um, some of those might get characterized as progressive, like I've long been fighting to end the 421A tax break program, which is $1.7 billion that we just, I, no one can tell me why we're doing that way. Like we've had that program for decades. I've been trying to change it for 15 years. And like, it's not fiscally prudent to have the 421A program. It like is establishment. It exists, real estate developers like it. But it's not fiscally prudent and so sometimes you know being honest is uh you know and then but i've also talked about uh, building on the attrition program that was developed during the pandemic i think we should keep a more focused attrition program that asks commissioners to identify areas of their agencies that they think might might actually make sense to phase out over time so we could focus on new areas because yes I mean I want to spend more on supportive housing and mental health outreach and I'm excited about 3k and childcare expansion but we have to be responsible you can't just let headcount grow and grow and grow if you if you aren't paying attention to how you can afford things so um uh, that means you have to be uh, moving away from things that you don't still need I did not get the endorsement of most of the public sector unions. And while I support working people uh, for sure, I think it is appropriate to pay attention to headcount um, and to control long-term spending. Um, and that's a job for the controller and, and one I, I not. you know, I think it's progressive to be responsible with government. If government can't deliver what it's promising because it's spending too much on other things or is over leveraged. Um, Then you can't make it work. So I really think those things go together, and that's the vision I have for the controller's office.
0: You, um, in in the last debate, you were among those who said you you wouldn't. uh, I think the question was ever run for mayor. Are you ready to walk that back yet? uh, Now that you've done well, (laughs) I mean, this is that that was seemed. I mean, both you, I think, and Corey said that, and it just seemed totally. Bizarre to me uh, that that anybody would really agree to that other than maybe David Weprin, who seems to not really ever want to be mayor. Uh,
1: I mean, first, I want to wait and see what the ranked choice tabulations are on Tuesday and how the absentee ballots play uh out. But I do mean it. You know, I signed David's pledge when he put it out. Um, I'm excited about the controller's office. This is Mm -hmm. a really important time. That is what I am focused on you know, the kinds of, you know, lightning round, we could have another conversation sometime about debate lightning round questions. Yes, yes, yes. And which ones you learn interesting things from and which ones might ought to be retired. But but I stick by that answer. All
0: right. Um, And lastly, uh, last minute here, um, this was, you know, you and Corey Johnson were obviously the top two vote getters so far. Uh, it, It became a fairly contentious campaign between the two of you. You have to figure out this final city budget in the next um, few days. Yeah. Um, but in terms of that relationship, can you try to repair it? Is that something you're working on? Are you trying to make sure that uh, your constituents are taken care of you know, in this budget and not uh, hurt because of some of the things that you said about uh, Corey Johnson during the campaign?
1: I think for all of us it's tricky you know we're not yet on the other side of the election you know so we're in the middle still of the counting Mm. but on the other side of elections and even as the counting is taking place it is all of our jobs to get past our political uh differences and to show up for people right like it's not a horse race with a medal at the end it's a job of trying to help New Yorkers with the things that matter most to them. and that that what has to motivate us all, regardless of Democrat or Republican or where you stand in a race. So yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm gonna show up to the budget process as a city council member. Uh, Corey is the speaker. And we have to have a process of, of landing a budget and voting on a budget. Um, and then all the rest of this year, you know, until December 31st, you know, having a June primary instead of a September primary means a long period of time after the elections. And we have the obligation. It's I really think it's a sacred one to show up every day and try to do our jobs for our constituents. And I certainly feel very committed to that. All right. Well, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, you didn't
0: endorse in the mayor's race, but now that the voting's all over, who, who, who'd, you, who'd you rank number one ah, in the mayor? All right. Race? I'm
1: still, the vote, it's not, I mean, it's, it, It's I guess, all over, but the counting in this case uh, is still not all over. So all right. By the sanctity of my vote in the, in the voting. Race. All
0: right. Brad Lander, we'll talk with you more down the road as we see this vote unfold, but thanks for taking some of the time.
1: Fun to talk with you as always, all Ben. Right. Thank you for covering this election cycle so deeply. My pleasure. Thank you.